Ramble. Welcome to Curious with Josh Peck. Start the show. Welcome back to the Curious Podcast with me, Josh Peck, and you, the listener, and welcome. This is just a great-ass time together. We, you, me, here we go. Are you ready? Yes, what a week. What a week it's been. Been staying at the mother-in-law's a lot. Turns, uh, turns out children are, um, they're relentlessly needy. Fuck, they just need you all the time. They're very cute about it, mostly. I can't believe it. You know, my best friend Len's mother is this fabulous Russian woman, Silva, and she has sort of this old Russian saying, which was like, you know, when it's your kid's shit, it's like, you know, it's like gold. I'm not, I'm not translating it perfectly, or even maybe remotely, but just like, it won't affect you when it's your kid's shit. You won't mind changing the diapers, and I'm here to report it. It's awful. It's happened. It's it's total. I just because I'm connected to him, I, I doesn't make an impact. It's just equally as awful as if it was a stranger's poop. I'm just kidding, because <laughs> you know you got to go that way for the bit. What am I going to get all sweet and tell you the you know tell you the honest thing, which is it's absolutely completely cute and fine. I'm happy when he poops because like I know he feels better, and that maybe once he does that, then he'll like. Feel content for a minute and then maybe drift off to, fingers crossed, a three-hour to, I don't know, 11-hour siesta and just leave me alone to focus on me, my favorite subject. But, yeah, they really need you. They really need you. But they're cute. He's a good kid, I think. So far, as far as babies go, he's good. He's like, yeah, he's good. He's not overly shitty he's not that baby at the restaurant who's just like you want to like pay the parents to leave where you're trying to enjoy your like crab cake or your sampler platter and you're like looking over at your date going like who the fuck would bring a fucking kid to the restaurant at nordstrom's who the fuck brings their fucking kid a fucking newborn to applebee's i'm trying to enjoy my fucking onion ring tower fuck you know Cause that was me nine months ago. I was that guy. I was, you know, I mean, I wasn't a complete, I would never, I, you know, I would never say anything to the parents. Cause what are you going to say? You're going to be that guy. You're going to go up to the parents and be like, listen, I know you're, you've got your hands full, but you've made a infraction. You've broken the social contract. And, um, I think you should take your child and go and your wife and all your shit, your baby carrier your weird car seat and all that, you know, baby bag and just pack it up. Go. Just leave money on the table. Don't wait for the check. Put cash on the table and leave. Just go. Because you're interrupting my fucking, you know, macaroni and cheese bites. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but other than that, it's great. I'm sorry, guys. I don't want to overly talk about my kid. It's just like, you know, obviously it's a main subject in my life right now. And I'm sure some of you would write me in response to that and be like, no, we love it. It's you. We're in for you. It's so cute. Yeah. And then other, you know, I'm sure there are some of you out there that are like, yeah, shut the fuck up. Who cares? God, great. Stop bragging. Good. You've become that dad already. Who are you? Anyway, Super Bowl this weekend. That'll be exciting, right? Yeah. It's just a big, 
you know, it's the closest thing we have to religion, right? At least in America. I mean, if they were like, we're all going to worship together in a cathedral once a year, would we all go? No. I mean, how many people watch the Super Bowl? 100 million? Would 100 million people show up? Fuck no. They would be, there would be a Real Housewives marathon on, or someone would have, you know, would be, you know, have to go to their local dispensary, or fight with their wife, or their kid had t-ball, or like a myriad of other excuses so that they wouldn't show up. But this one event brings us all together for, you know, like a third of the country. For uh, three or four hours. I can't wait for the tweets. Oh, everyone's going to have an opinion. But it's going to be good. I mean, it's fine. I like it. And I'm not like a huge sports guy. But God, that Tom Brady. Hmm. Jesus. What's that like? I'm sure he has problems. You know, if there's anything you learn in this life as a human being, as you grow a bit and you're slightly enlightened, you sort of realize that no one gets off free of charge. Like no one's, no one's, you know, making their way through life completely unencumbered by uh, self-doubt or, or, or neuroses or, 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 you know, emotional turmoil or dysfunction. But I bet like Tom Brady's one of the few that, that doesn't, I mean, fuck man. I, yeah, just you're handsome and so good at something. God, so good at something that the world watches, you know, fuck. Like if you're incredible at the recorder or at fixing watches or, you know, at being a tailor, these are noble professions, but you know, there's no audience and it probably won't make you a rich man, but it just so happens that Tom Brady chose to be great or was blessed to be great at something that everyone is stoked about and that would you know make him rich beyond his wildest dreams and also you know i'm sure it didn't hurt to help him meet you know one of the most beautiful women on earth I'm sure they love each other uh, their love goes much deeper than their professions but if tom was not tom brady the quarterback if tom was the pharmacy tech at cvs i'm just saying that he might not have had the chance to meet giselle and this is no reflection because I'm sure Giselle might have been at that local CVS and seen that pharmacy tech and said, that's the guy for me because she's deep like that. Or so I've heard. I don't know. But I would imagine so. She seems lovely. But God, so good. And now he's going to go do it on like the biggest stage possible. I mean, it's not the World Cup. I think that has some more viewers. But this is like top three, right? Biggest events. I don't know. Good for him. I like any holiday that's an excuse to eat chicken wings, basically. I just like, I just like eating. I, yeah. You know, there's very few things I had in exchange with my good buddy Lucas yesterday. And I don't know. I was just feeling like myself, which is like slightly uh, nihilistic, which I don't exactly know what that word means, but I think it kind of fits into this scenario. And like a little... Eh, curmudgeonly questioning my place on this earth. I know, boring, uptown problems, white people shit. But like, I think I wrote him. I said to him, do you ever wonder what all the fuss is about? And he said, that's all I wonder about. 
and then he went on to say something really like prolific but you know i i didn't ask his permission to read what he said and so it's like it wouldn't be right for me to say but then i wrote i'm not sure that life gets any better than a cute thing my kid does in between being relentlessly needy or sleeping past 8 a.m or cake or talking shit amongst friends or a nice view or perhaps jerking off and other than that I think, you know, it's nice to want to, you know, win on the big stage and get that huge award if it's, you know, that big trophy or that big promotion or whatever that relates to you, you know, to be the talk of the town and the, the, um, I don't know, the recipient of, of, of overwhelming amounts of love and kudos and admiration and validation. But inevitably, I think it's like these little things that are truly the only things that are worth um, being excited about, but again, I don't know, you know, anyway, on today's show, Jude Angelini, rude Jude. Well, that's his like moniker. He's got a very successful, serious satellite show on shade four, five Eminem sort of discovered him back on the day when he was on the Jenny Jones show. But what a, what a guy this is. Um, one of the smartest, funniest, uh, deepest people that I've ever met and, you know, had such a incredibly, you know, colorful and challenging and uh, specific childhood. And he turned that into these incredible stories. He's such a talented author. He's written books called Hyena and Hummingbird that are some of my favorite that you guys should all go out and get immediately. And uh, my boy Ryan Tomlinson, shout out Ryan, put us in touch when he found out that I was a huge fan of Jude's. And he just showed up to the studio and was down to chop it up for two hours. So please enjoy Jude Angelini. That's right. What about you? I'm in uh, Brentwood. Fucking hey, dude. Nice. You're an L.A. dude, though. You're you're native, right? I'm from New York. Okay. Originally, and uh, uh, but I've been I've been in L.A. since I was 14. Okay. So it's very much a part of my. All right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I grew up in uh, like North Hollywood area. All right. Yeah, Valley kid like uh, like Ryan. Yeah, I was gonna say. <laughs> what was the Valley like then? Was it cool? Um, I have a real. I would imagine when I hear you talk about like where you're from in Michigan, I mean, yeah. obviously they're they're very different, and yet there's something I have a true love for the valley. Yeah, I can see that. <laughs> Especially like I remember when I first moved out here, there there, I, there was literally I saw remember that we had the trucker hats for for a while there. It was the yeah, one Von said, Dutch. Yeah, it, <laughs> dude that had one that said I don't date eight one eight. Like it was just. <laughs> Just having an 818 area code was was like a death sentence trying to holler at a chick out here, man. I guess so. And now I'm so proud of it. I'll keep my right. 818 forever as long as they'll let me keep it. Yeah, I had the 213, which was like wow. one like one better than 818. Everybody uh-huh. wanted 310 or 323. But I was that was like 01 trying and, to holler at chicks out here. And now they're gone. 310, you can't even get it anymore. For real? Uh-huh. It's like 917 in New York. No shit. It's a wrap. Yeah, 212 is gone, too. It's old school. That means you're like old school, OG. Keep that shit. Yeah. I yeah. love that there's like a class structure according to area codes. It really is funny. <laughs> that's, all, that's all that really is. It's, under, it's, it's the class undertone. 
Right. Like, oh, you're broke or you're a fucking bumpkin living out in the 818 in the valley. <laughs> I mean, North Hollywood was, you know, it's funny to everyone that doesn't live in L.A. Yeah. They just hear Hollywood in the name and they go, oh, that's got to be not bad. You know, like it's, it's Hollywood. That's where they make the movies. But North Hollywood is a good eight miles away from anything that remotely looks like how you see it in the movies. Yeah. And the valley's kind of weird, too. I remember I, I, I told the story often. It was like I didn't know. I understood like hood culture in Michigan, but I didn't understand Mexican shit out here. And I remember having to go to a. a meeting in North Hollywood somewhere. But I was like it was it was kind of a crappy area. And like it was something like Cholo Cat in Seven Eleven. He's looking at me, and I'm I'm looking at him. I'm like, "What's up?" He's like, "What's up, man? You good?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Yeah, yeah. How you doing? How you doing?" Like I'm like, "Are we finna fight or fuck?" Like I don't know. What, I don't know what's gonna happen right here. Like I didn't know how to play that situation. I was like, "Let me just get my five hour energy drink. Get the fuck out of here." Cause <laughs> it felt like it felt like the end of training day. That's that's all I know. And how how is that different than like the culture as far as when you're in Michigan? Well, hood people, it's just like they just less talking. It's just you know they call you out your name or some shit like that, right? Or I should beat your white ass or some shit like that, you know? That was more the Michigan that would, style. Yeah, that would be more. I remember one time like I was at like uh, I was I was fucking. I, I had to stop. I had to stop some. I, had, I was going to. I was gonna go holler at this chick, and um, I had to stop and get some some gum because I didn't want my breath to stink. You know what I mean? Like, didn't want a bad Yelp review. And uh, it was just a gang of fucking cats. Some dude just came up and was like, "You buying me this?" And it was just. It was one of those deals where like I could fucking not buy him a 35-cent pack of gum and fight him and all, all of his friends or just buy him the gum. And so I was like, hey, you want anything else? Like, Yeah. I, I grabbed the Snickers, but here's the Snickers bar too, bro. Like, <laughs> have a good one. Like, But it was all him, some, like, fucking, like, you know, just some fucking beasted on me shit. I guess... I guess if I was in prison, I wouldn't have been able to let that slide because then I got raped every day. But like, right. just at the gas station, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying, I'm just trying to go fuck this girl. Like, you know, like I'm just trying to go smash this chick off of Jefferson. I don't want to have to fucking deal with like him and fifteen drunk dudes. When it's between buying a pack of juicy fruit or getting knocked out, just buy the juicy fruit. You know what? And but you know, and I got friends that will. They will die on that. They will. They will. They will die. They'll go out on their shield over the juicy fruit. Yeah, that and honor. I respect that. I respect that. But uh, I'm like the pick your battles guy. I'm like, uh, let's. I'm out of war. You know when to retreat, man. Like, all right, this ain't this ain't worth it. I'm not doing it. Yeah, this is. I don't want to die in like an AMPM parking lot. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> Yo, I, yeah, I I remember. It's funny you talk about a Yelp review as as it applies to uh, hooking up with a girl. I remember there was this girl that I was, you know, I had spent like four months of my life with, and we had a good thing. And after we hooked up the first time, she said, you know, I have a, a blog that I talk about every person I've ever been with. So you're going you're gonna to be a number. And I was like, word? And so... You know, of course, paid no mind to it. But right. two months in, curiosity got the best of me. And I'm like, well, let me go. Let me go see what's up. And it was, first of all, I was number 72. That caught me by surprise. Damn, son. 
Damn, bro. <laughs> 72. And you know, they, they, she's dividing, too, so that's probably like 92. Right. And I had to decipher certain shit, too, right? Because obviously she keeps it anonymous, so I'm like, back date. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm in minority report. Like, well, no, 71, that doesn't line up with our certain date structure and Straight whatnot. Up. And so finally I start seeing 72, and the initial review was not the best. What one? How did you know it was you? And then two, what was the review? So she was forty-four. I was twenty-four. Oh man, what are you supposed? <laughs> Bro, she's a wily vet. Yes, <laughs> she, she's got all the moves down in the box. She, she knows how to hook the arm and fucking like let, slam dunk on you. What are you gonna do? Like she's got twenty years of dick experience on you, bro. Like, it's true. So what did she say? I was in my rookie season. I so. know. Yeah, it was early, and so you know, I, I remember because we lived in the same apartment complex. So okay. as soon as I saw that, I was like, okay, got it, and. You know, she just basically said, like, I was excited. It was this new thing, and he's way younger than me, and I have no business doing this. And, yeah. and then once it started to happen, I quickly realized why I don't do this sort of thing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How old did you? You was what, 24, you said? I was 24. And I was, it was my first, and no matter what, your first time with anyone is... You know, it's it, nerve wracking. Yeah, and like you're not in a, quite a rhythm yet. You're not totally comfortable. Yeah. And then, but I was so happy to see that she was like, but I think I'll give him another chance and we'll see what happens from That's there. fucking magnanimous of her. <sighs> did, did, you, did she give you another chance? Well, first of all, my biggest fear was there was a comment section because people read that shit. And no luckily, shit. no one was like, this kid sounds like a fucking loser. Like, right. that would have been the worst. But she did give me another chance. And then I continued to read the posts because now it's like this weird game I'm a part of. Right. I'm like Trump watching Fox News every morning. Yeah, you can't help yourself. And... The reviews started getting better, and homegirl started getting sprung and saying, "I hope I run into him yeah. at like our local Starbucks and whatnot." And I felt I felt pretty good about it. So you made it. You bounced back. Yeah, I was. A, I would say if I was a restaurant on Yelp, I'd be four stars, three and, and a half. I never review a, a restaurant in this first month anyway because they got to iron out the kinks. They got to <laughs> right. the the kitchens got to match up with the servers, like you know. <laughs> That was you. That was me. And like, yo, honestly, man, like I would take that as an opportunity to like learn some shit. Like I remember going out with the old chick and uh, she taught me on some like she taught me some class shit. She just took me out to dinner and they it was like a fancy restaurant. I'd never been anywhere like that before. And a motherfucker came out with one of them crumb squeegees. Yeah, like, scraper. And, yeah, I that shit fucked me up. I'm like, what the fuck, bro? Like they they squeegee in the table. Like this this like anything's possible. Like I didn't think I was like this is amazing. Like there's more there's more to life out there. I remember just just being really inspired by that shit. And I was looking at my homeboy because she took me and my homeboy out. Like she was like on some big mama baller shit. And I was like, you see this shit? And he's like, yeah, this is crazy. Does that, coming from sort of humble beginnings, does that level of, you know, pomp and circumstance and whatnot, like, does that make you uncomfortable on a certain level? I was, I got to go to school with rich kids. So, like, my parents got divorced and my dad wanted me to go to, like, my mom's neighborhood. It was metal detectors, teen pregnancy, shit like that. And then it was new money in my dad's neighborhood. The downside was 
uh, me and my sister, are, it was a, he got a one bedroom apartment in the crappy part of that town. Right. And my sister and I each had a closet. So we had a mattress with that was our bedroom. We just slept in closets. And I got to be around people with, with money. So I wasn't uncomfortable. I had a bit of a inferiority complex, but it wasn't it didn't totally fuck me up like being around rich people or being in being in a, a place where where cats had cash. And do you think that I'm always fascinated by this because I similarly like I grew up, you know, in New York City, single mom, never met my pops, right. only child. And sometimes we had money and we were very middle class and sometimes we just didn't. Yep. And we fell on hard times and had none. And my mom pulled a similar thing, which is like when you get an apartment in the good school zone. So you're going to school with all the kids that have wealth and you found like this weird loophole by having like a studio apartment. Mm-hmm. And and I remember from early on, as far back as I can remember, I knew I was different. Like I did not have a traditional family system that I was like different from my fellows. Do you have like, was, did you always feel that way? Or was there like a distinguishing moment where you were like, nah, my home life does not look like my friends. It was, it, it was when my dad moved us over. It was when we left. When, when I left my, they, my parents divorced and my pop had like bounced around and we, we lived in all these like, you know, just typical just shit apartments and he'd he'd be a roommate in someone's house and we'd sleep in the attic on the weekends or you know just stuff like that then when when we finally got settled down in rochester michigan and like i remember like driving and see, seeing the houses and they were the they were like nowadays the the mcmansions but i was like what the fuck like i just could not believe this shit and that's like you don't know you're broke until you're if you're surrounded by broke you're normal like yeah. we're, i'm just this is this is normal and then when you see the other shit then you're like oh damn it was a uh, i remember michael jackson was real popular thriller was popping and uh and there was like a breakdance competition at some mall far away so my mom got all of all of the kids in the neighborhood we all piled in like fucking 10 deep in in the goddamn chevette you know what i mean like Seatbelt yeah. laws didn't matter back Field then. Field trip. Yeah, so we, we bomb in there, and I had made a Michael Jackson glove. So I took my dad's work glove, and then I just took my si- one of my sister's purses and ripped that bitch up and just glued the purse onto Some the— Some glitter shit? Yeah, just glued the <laughs> glitter purse onto the glove. And we rolled up in that bitch. I was so proud of my little glove. I was, you know, going to watch him break dance, like— this is the shit. I must have been like six or seven. And then I saw all the kids with like the real leather zipper jackets yeah. and the real gloves. And they, they was flooding their pants. And I just, I took my glove and I threw it in the trash. And, and I was ashamed. I was like, <laughs> I was like, that, that was like, there's there's moments like that where you're like, oh, I'm not, oh, I'm, I'm not measuring up with the rest of these kids. And, you know, growing, like, when you're young, you're not all the way sure yourself. You know, I wish I would have. I wish I had the backbone. Like, well, fuck it. This is my glove. I made that glove. But I, I wasn't there yet. I didn't feel that good about myself. You know. Uh, but is there any way to know that shit without going through the immense pain and like dire straits of the experience? Like, I, you know, I always hear people say like, if I, if I knew then what I knew now, or if I could impart any. I was listening to Mark Marin interviewed, and he was like. 
Yeah, I've I've had an untraditional uh, sort of uh, a rise in success, and later in life, I've I've attained a lot of my goals. and And the guy said, "Well, if you could give any any advice to a younger comedian or entertainer, what would you say?" He's like, "I can't because my shit was born out of desperation. Hmm. Like I had no option. Like I was in utter pain, and it was that or shrivel up." You know yeah. what I mean? So it was like those things that you're talking about, like those experiences, like I've had similar things where I wish I had been emboldened to be like, ah, fuck them. Yeah. But I wouldn't be who I am today if I wasn't completely and utterly floored by experiences like that. Yeah, it was kind of like when I like when I go on my radio show, I'm like always on like a like boss up, do your fucking best be accountable for your actions and this isn't me coming from a place of like I'm a hero like I was like these are all things that I had to learn on my own too like I had a victim mentality I I uh was really insecure I was jealous I I was I was fear I was fearful I was I was I was a coward at times and and uh and and then you make up lies to to because no one wants to look in the mirror and be like I'm a coward. Then you come up with reasons why you're not fucking doing shit. And these were all things that I had to figure out on my own. So I think I'm grateful. I'm grateful that I was able to get out of that. I, I see people stuck in it into their 40s, into their 50s, 60s, 70s, and, and they're, like, stuck. I'm grateful that I was able to get out get out of it. And if I, and if I like, you, and then you see some, you'll see some little kids running around, and you're like, this kid's a fucking rock star, and he's never going to have to worry about that shit, and he'll be fucking fine. And, like, do you ever wonder what that's like? Because I know what you mean, and I see certain people like that. I'm like, what what's that got to be like to not be carrying this fucking suitcase yeah. of, of pain and, and experience with you? I know. I'm like, I hope you're dyslexic. No. <laughs> yeah. God. What's your struggle? You know, like, yeah. so you know, gluten intolerance. Yeah, straight up. Oh, yeah, I hope you can't eat bread, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. No, but <laughs> I don't, yeah, it's, uh, it's funny. I remember... I, it's fucked up as, as it sounds like I used to see happy children and this is like five years ago and I'd see like these happy kids and I'm like fuck you so happy about like it was like this straight up jealousy because I didn't get to have that happiness as a child um, yeah yeah you just get over it though you, you like you get wiser I guess you, you there's intelligence and wisdom you know what I mean like some people are real smart but they're not very wise so now I'm just trying to work on becoming wiser and that's like knowing how fucking dumb i am like just being being realistic about my flaws my weaknesses how dumb i am uh my inconsistencies i I, and i find i wonder what you think because like you know so many people who are you know in our position who have had like certain success and emerge from and our stories are so different and yet like emerge from struggle and challenge and what have you and you always hear people say like I wouldn't change a thing because you know I wouldn't be here today if I changed anything but you know and and I think that that's incredibly like you know valuable and great but I also don't um I don't have that thing anymore where I'm like yeah like I I want to hear about your struggle and I right. want like I I don't if you didn't have any of that and you're just cool and unencumbered, great. Yeah. Like, I don't think one is better than the other. I don't, it's, it's like the luck of birth. Like, I don't, like, I don't hold that against anybody or, uh, you, th- th- 
and that's what it took me a really long time to get to. It's like I'm like, why am I like, why? Like they couldn't. No one has a choice of what vagina they came out of, and right. what country they live in. Like it's just like it's all luck. It's it's, it's arbitrary, I guess. Is the way. Like it just it does, and then you just do the best with what you have. Right. Um. It's. I, I you, could, oh, sorry. Go ahead, man. No, no. You were talking about. I was listening to your interview with Tully, and you were saying how like. You know, it, it, right now it's it, there's so much about like white privilege and whatnot, and that's so much a part of the lexicon and, and the conversation. And yet, you were like, the one thing we don't address is just how like rich people hook up their friends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and like, and especially if you're born into something like that, or you went to private school in an Ivy League, and you have that Rolodex, like you've sort of been installed into this system that will take care of you as long as you're not a complete fuck up forever. And it sort of keeps out outsiders to a certain point. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, and like, that's just, that's the way the world is and shit. Like, I don't know. Like, that's just, that's life. And then once you tap, once you can come to terms with that, then you can, then you can learn how to operate within that system. Right. Like, play the game. Like, you, like, this is what it is. Figure the fuck out. Everyone's got a superpower. Everybody's got a superpower. Just figure out what your fucking superpower is. And sometimes it's what you view as your weakness. But, like, you, everyone's got their own little superpower. Like, I'm the white dude on a, a rap station. That, I, that could be, uh, that could work negatively against me or it could work positively against me. I took, the, I took the positive things about it. There's certain shit, like, I know my, I know my music, my musical library is fucking giant because of where I come from. I rock, rap. My grandfather was a jazz musician, so I'm able. I'm able to bring all that shit in. Uh, I just I take advantage of the of the stuff I of 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 the things I I can take advantage of, and 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 I play to my strengths, like I you know. Like growing up, like you had to be like everyone had to be the tough guy and this and that. Like I was never, like I was never the tough guy. I just was the wild dude. You know what I mean? Like I played to that shit. Right. I was often the token white dude in like some real fucking hood situations, and I found that the fucking the the way to the way I behaved would be just be fucking wild and cats would be like what the fuck you know what i mean like it would like i just hit him with the what the fuck i wasn't there shook like oh my god <laughs> right they're just like damn that white boy is crazy you yeah. know and yeah and like that was my that was my superpower that was that was like i was eating pussy no one else was eating pussy like i was pulling chicks just just because they was like i wonder what a white dude's like like fucking come i'll do i'll try my best I'll, welcome yeah i'll fucking I'll put in that extra work. Yeah, I had to start eating ass when they fucking started eating, when the rapper started eating pussy. I was like, nah, I got to eat a butthole just to fucking separate myself. How do you one-up them now? I lick armpits. <laughs> you heard it here first. <laughs> Not all the time. One time I did it, it tasted like wood chips, and I was like, I'm never doing that again. Yeah, that sounds rough. <laughs> it tastes like weird toaster bits. Yeah, I, I don't think they're into it either. The burnt pieces. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's bad for everyone. Audible. Audible. Don't you, don't you try to act like you don't know Audible. Oh, you don't know Audible? I think you know Audible, all right? They only have the most audiobooks on the planet, okay? Done. They win. 
You know what I mean? I mean, it's not like a bragging thing. We're just like, yeah, we have we have the most on planet Earth. That's us. Audible. No big deal. Like we're not. I mean, we're not here to brag. We're just. I mean, we're just stating facts, and you know, you can choose to do what you want with those facts. It's really not our business. Anyway. There's never been a better time to start listening to Audible. With Audible, you get access to an unbeatable selection of audiobooks, including bestsellers, motivation, mysteries, thrillers, memoirs, and more. Audible has the largest selection of audiobooks on the planet. And now, with Audible Originals, the selection has gotten even more custom with content made for members. Recently, I listened to my buddy Robert Greene's new book, The Laws of Human Nature, and it's like, I'm cooking, I'm listening, I'm, I'm working out, I'm listening, I'm, I'm driving, I'm listening, I'm multitasking here. And I think that's what like very successful CEOs do, but I don't know for sure, so don't quote me on that. Anyway, Audible, the, you know, they're just inspiring minds with compelling stories, and it's the best place to listen. So get started with a 30-day trial when you go to audible.com slash pack or text pack to 500 500 and listen for a change will you come on this is exciting one more time all right go to audible.com slash pack to get started or text pack to 500 500 and listen for a change where did your parents come from? Like, did they have a similar, you know, sort of challenging upbringing or what was there? Uh, my, my mom was like Catholic. Uh, so it was six, six kids. A lot of kids. A lot of kids. Yeah. Um, they, but like my grandfather was a teacher and my mom didn't have a great, my mom, my dad snatched her up early and my dad was a, he's, he, he's immigrant son, uh, Italian. So like, and Manunu was a hard man, so he was like a very abusive to my dad. And like they grew up, they were in the projects, and they they built, they worked their way out of it. But my father just, uh, he just was, you know, a lot of this is a reaction. Like um, he, he could never keep a job for more than six months, right? And it was never his fault. You know, and he never, it was never him. It was always somebody. It was always another, just reasons. You know what I mean? Sure. Just reasons. And we'd have, you know, even in our fucking little one bedroom apartment, you're like ducking the landlady because we're three months late on fucking rent and she can't bring herself to evict us because she doesn't want to like kick out a family and stuff. It was like, it was embarrassing. Um, like he sabotaged himself. He couldn't stop sabotaging himself. And that was. That and it was probably it's programming that he didn't even know was there, like yeah. he wasn't aware of it, right? Yeah, I think when you're beat that young as a child, it kind of breaks certain things in you. Short and, circuit. And, yeah, and look, man, my dad had a lot of positive at attributes. He he was always there for us. He would throw the ball, like go throw throw the football with us. He uh, showed me like he made us do chores. It's just like these little things that. I'm grateful for. He came out here to be an actor. He never booked one fucking thing, but he tried. So I copied off of him. Like, I wasn't the first. It wasn't my idea. Like, it was his idea, and I copied off of his idea to come out here and fucking do it. I wouldn't have left my fucking neighborhood. Right. If it wasn't, if it, if, if it wasn't for seeing, I th seeing him do it. I think, I think what kills a lot of us is we have these mental blocks. We, 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 
we put these mental blocks where it's like, this is not possible for, for me, but like anything is possible for you. Like anything is possible. You can do it. it it'll take fucking sacrifice and hard work and you, you might lose some things along the way, but you can, you can do whatever the fuck you want to do. I, I feel like people aren't willing to be uncomfortable and the entire journey or, or taking a leap of faith in that respect requires you to be uncomfortable for a, you know, a, a amount of time that, that you're not aware of how long it's going to take. Straight up. And, and I feel like most people aren't willing to make, I mean, they favor comfort and that's their, you know, I have to get out of that because I grew up, I feel like when you grow up in a non-traditional household and, and sometimes you have money and sometimes you don't, you sort of go either one of two ways. Either you fiend security and you hold on to everything as tightly as you can and you hoard because you just want to feel okay and be, be in control of your destiny or you get such a deep case of the fuck it's that you literally are unattached to everything because it's it's... It's like you don't want to live in that that same world that you grew up in, but you then, just explained my sister and me to a T. Really? Yeah, my sister was the first. I was. I'm the latter. Wow. I'll order everything on the fucking menu because I can, and then like maybe I'll eat it or maybe I won't, and that's my luxury. Like I worked for that luxury. My sister's the exact opposite. She'll like fucking. She's packing the bread. Like come on, and like she she saves everything. She's really good with her money. Like, and do you guys butt heads about that? No. It's, no, it's, it's a good balance. It's like, yeah, it's like we're not sharing a bank account, so like, <laughs> right. whatever the fuck you want to do. But like, I, you know, like I totally understand that. I really get that. It's it's funny how we, re, it's funny how, and you, you'll see it. You'll see like new money motherfuckers, you know, like you, you can smell new money from a mile away, like where I, gaudy as shit, like finally got it. Like we finally, you're finally there. You're doing it, you know. Giant fucking giant logos of rich shit all right. over all over the all over your body. But it's all chasing, you know, salvation and to a certain extent, like whether it's women or finance or prestige or what have you, it's just like we're all you know, I heard I, Russell Brand once said, like, we're all seeking God in some respect or whatever you believe in. He's like, and when I buy this new shirt for like five minutes, I'm delivered. Like, I feel okay about myself with this new shirt, or I got her number, or I got that gig. Yeah. But inevitably, anything material, anything of this world, even the good shit, will, you know, come up short eventually. It will lose that, yeah. that, that, null, you know, that nullifying power. But, you know, I ask about your parents because, you know, I'm a big fan, and I've read your books, and I've listened to you over the years. And what I find really refreshing is you have this sort of healthy perspective with where you come from and your parents and... Not, I don't want to say forgiving, but you're very much like there's no resentment, or at least ha as you've put it out there. And I think that that by understanding th where they came from, it allowed you to sort of put any sort of frustration to rest because you understand they had a similar challenge. I must, my stepdad, like, uh, he was 22 when he married my mother, and he married her with two children and a fucking maniac ex-husband and you know he ended up developing uh, he became an alcoholic and developed a cocaine it was like one of the classics getting a car accident and fucking painkillers to coke to like it was just the typical shit and i hated him for years and then once i got older 
once I once I became 22 and then 23 and 24, I was like, I would never in a fucking zillion years at 22 sign up for a fucking lady with two little asshole kids and a fucking maniac man. Like, there's no way. So, like, hats off to him for trying. Like, it just, once you get older, you get perspective on shit. People are human, man. Like, you know, we're all doing the best we can. And Even the people that suck are probably doing the best. They that's can, the thing. Right? That's the crazy shit. Like every, like no one's like, you know what? I'm gonna wake up today and just fuck shit up on purpose. Like pe- people are, yeah, yeah. I, I remember like getting up real mad at Jamba Juice because they kept fucking up my order and shit. <laughs> and I'd, I'd come home all fucking extra mad. My girl at the time, like you're fucking negative, and she was probably right. But then like I stopped, I'm like, yo, bro, like this lady's 47 year old working at Jamba Juice. This is probably the highest that she like. I know it sounds mad fucking patronizing, but like, yo, that's probably the best <laughs> she can like. This is it. This is this is it. Not everybody's gonna be like a fucking mathematician, and uh, sometimes putting shit in a blender is hard. And I guess that's hard for her. So how are you gonna fuck up a razzmatazz? Straight. <laughs> when I had that, when I when in the first book, I talk about the PCP overdose, and it really, it it really knocks some IQ points off of me. Like I'm not like I'm just not where I used to be. I, Will I, you tell that story? I just I ended up. I I had a thing for ketamine and I it was dry out here so then I was like let me uh let me let me see about PCP cuz they're related <laughs> they're both fucking uh disassociatives so I'm like I'm like all right I said something about it on the air. And that's the crazy shit about this. It's like me doing a radio show, and I'm sure for people that listen to your podcast, they feel this intimate connection with you. So one of the, one of my like regular callers who live down South Central was like, yo, I need some mushrooms, um, and I got PCP. You want to trade? I'm like, yeah. So I end up down there, and it's, it's just like a fucking shit show. I like... I, I did like I didn't know how alleys worked in LA. Like alleys are like in boys in the hood. They're in the back. He was like pull up in the alley, but I thought where I'm from, alleys run the other way. They 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 run uh, perpendicular, not right. parallel to the street. So I pull up what into what I think is an alley. What I think is him and walk into like a gang. Amazing. That that's like and lucky I look like a cop. So they're like, "What's up, man?" And I'm like, "I'm looking for solo." And none of them was solo. And then. Uh, I'm getting a call on the phone and it's solo watching watching from fucking uh watching from the thing. He's like, dude, what the fuck are you doing? I was like, I I don't know. And now they're asking me like about the size of my clothing and shit. So like I'm walking away. Like I'm like Jesus. walking away quickly. Nothing good happens in an alley. No one's like, I met this great person in in an alley and now we're you know, we're we're getting a condo. Oh yeah. So yeah, so I get in there and we swap and he's like, Yo, check this out. This happened in my alley today. And it's like, <laughs> it's like okay. Like this is after I was like after I walk into the middle of the like he's like, Yo, watch out for them kids, man. They're some killers. I was like, Yeah, it, it seemed that way. Yeah. He was I like, But they my killers. I was like, awesome. Like, me and him, we're, we're good. We're still, like, we'll, we'll, I'll call him and check on him every now and again. Solo? Yeah. You keep up with Solo? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, uh, and and he's not, he's like, he's doing his own thing now. And, uh, but he was like, yeah, he's, he's like, watch this. And um, it was just, 
it was like this gang member getting jumped into a, a, getting jumped into the gang, and it was a forty. It was like some street in the forties or fifties, and basically you had to get hit and get get take that many blows from two different dudes. So like it's a triangle, one guy and then two guys fighting him, and then like this old head Cholo, and he's got like some bad chick next to him, and like he hits the timer, and they just start. They're just like whamming on each other. Dudes leaking, and uh, my man, like, kind of the, the guy's getting that's getting jumped in, throws like a, a kind of like a no looker lucky shot, and just knocks out the knocks out one of the guys, and they call it off, and everyone's all bloody, and the girl comes in with the fucking towel, and they're hugging each other. He was like, "Yeah, that happened this morning." I'm like, "God damn!" Like, and he was always showing me shit like that. I go down there, and be like, "Yo, check this out," and it'd be fucking some. It was like a bum picking up. Picking up, uh, picking up bottles, and just these two, these two young like these two young gang kids walk up on and just shot him for no reason. Jesus. He's like, shit's crazy. I'm, I'm like, solo, bro. Like, get the fuck out of here, man. Like, but is that to your point of like he he was stuck? He had a mental block. He couldn't. Well, that was my when when I I told him to like I was like, yeah, bro, like eat these mushrooms, go off into the woods, and man, just like. Think about life and shit. He was like, "Woods, are you fucking crazy? <laughs> like what? Like the, he felt the way about the woods that I felt about that fucking alley. You know what I mean? I'm right. like, that's this ain't this ain't for me. Bad neighborhood. Yeah, like this ain't <laughs> for me. And uh, and he felt the same way. So I got the PCP and uh, it sat in my it sat in my fridge for months, for months and months. It just sat there next. It was next to the mustard and uh. Finally, I was coming back from uh, from New York, and it was like on my daughter's birthday of like of all days, and she was turning like fifteen or something. And uh, my homeboy was like, "Yeah, I'll, I'll smoke with you." I'm like, "All right, let's do it." So we go. We we are at my home, my other homies. I'm dipping it, and uh, you you dip it in a cigarette, and uh, then you let it dry. Yeah. You smoke it. Well, we didn't let it dry all the way. And the, here was the problem was it was kind of like ketamine. So it was a familiar feel. So it gave me this false sense of security. Like, oh, I know this. Oh, I've been here before. Sure. And you're just supposed to hit it like once or twice or some shit. I don't know. Like I, And uh, the cigarette he handed me was still wet. So it was like just dripping. And I'm like, man, I'll get it. And I just keep... Hitting, 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 trying to get it to like dry out. Right. And but the whole time I'm, I'm hitting like I'm taking hits of PCP. And uh, I remember Lou Reed being on. What song? I don't know. It was it was it was it was, it was like. It wasn't walking a wild side or anything like that. Maybe it was. I don't remember. Maybe. I think I wrote it in the book, but maybe I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But it started going poorly. And uh, I remember there was a fucking there was a magazine, and I went to go look at it, and I just turned into like the I, I bent down. I was I looked like an upside down L, and then I I went catatonic. I just fell out, and it was like the craziest trip ever. And were you, so you're lying on the ground and you, so to, and, and you're with your, a buddy, like a close I'm with buddy? a couple of my friends and to the outside, they're watching and my eyes are wide open. Right. And they're like, hey, Jude, hey, Jude. And in front of me, they're smacking me, nothing. Like I'm dead to them. Like I just, it looks like I died. Like, 
And um, in my brain, I'm fucking like it is I'm time traveling. I'm on different planets. And and, and as I'm in one situation, like the, my all my reality, just picture like a straw, like sucking it up and then spitting it back. It's another thing. I was on the luck dragon, dog. I was flying around on a luck dragon. I was kicking it with uh Peter Dinklage or what it was. Oh, word? Oh, yeah. We was, I was on a different planet. because I was great actor. I was way into fucking Game of Thrones books and shit. <laughs> so, like, I was fucking, like, kicking it with his ass on some motherfucking planet. Like, wow. I'm chilling with my daughter. Like, all of this. All Khaleesi? Of, Khaleesi there? Nope. Ah, uh, man. Nah. See, nah. that's why drugs are bullshit. I know. You can't really. Yeah, and, and, well, I remember the funny thing is, is, like, and it felt like I kept, like, I was so paranoid that I was going to, you know, that you're always end up fucking naked or on PCP. And it felt like, and it felt like I was coming. So I was like, I finally came to, and I was like, am I naked? Did I come? And they're like, nah, man, you're good. And then I fucking went back, went back to it. And that shit fried me. And you weren't, but you weren't scared. You were on the ride. It like was you were okay with it. I didn't even have a choice. There was no choice in the matter. Like no think, conscious thinking about f- fear was not even in it. Like I was gone. Like I was, I was knee deep in these weird dreamlike situations. Like I finally came to, and it was I was in a spaceship, and it was like powered by like coal, like uh, this like steampunk spaceship being powered by coal, and I'm sh- I'm in I'm in the bowels of the ship shoveling coal in, into not the, an efficient the, energy source. I, yeah, I didn't think this one out <laughs> in my trip, <laughs> and that's how I came to, and uh, I was fucked up for weeks, like m- months. In and out of a uh, hallucinogenic state, or just couldn't get this like weird. It was a fuzz. I couldn't track. I couldn't walk. It took all concentration just to use a mouse. If you gave me four numbers in a row, I couldn't keep the numbers, and I couldn't keep them. And what if you hadn't gotten out? Did you start considering that? Like, what if, what if this never gets better? I was that that it. I it was like. During all this time, it, I, like I came to terms with things. Like I forgave myself for, like, the the. I, I think we uh, we off a lot of us have destructive tendencies, self destructive tendencies, and I just kind of for 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 a while I was really very mad at myself for what I did, right. and then I forgave myself and was just like, look, man, you'll fucking. You'll you'll get better. You'll figure it out. It's like that's those are your options. And were you doing anything like trying to eat like organic or? Oh, bro, I was. was, It was like niacin. That was that was supposed to be like I ate so much niacin that my pee turned orange. It looked like orange crush. That's cool. But then so then I like I want to see if my dick works. So I jerk off and it looked like a fucking creamsicle. Like it was like I was busting orange nuts. It was fucking (laughs) crazy. It was like so yeah. It was like. Uh, yeah, and 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 then in that moment, it really fucking. I remember I would be. I used to get frustrated with, when people couldn't keep up. Like I'd be talking to them, and they could they couldn't follow an idea. Or, right. Um, and now I became that person that couldn't follow a fucking idea, and it really gave me empathy for other cats. It was like okay, like not everybody's on the same level, and you were kind of a fucking cocky asshole, and like chill the fuck out. And why do you think like I'm so I'm sober 10 years and 
because I'm a child actor, so I went too hard, too fast, too quick. I couldn't imagine. And at 21, it was a wrap. And, you know, some of the stuff I've done, people would look at me like I'm an insane human. And yet, for some reason, hallucinogens always scared me. Because I had done mushrooms a couple times, and, and I'm glad that I did it, actually, because I feel like it opened up something in my brain that allowed me to see the world differently. And yet, always... Within two hours, I was like, oh, wait, I have four hours more of this shit. <laughs> like, and then I would try to go to sleep, which is don't close your eyes on hallucinogens because no. that adds a whole new level to things. And, you know, I have a proclivity for going dark, especially at that time when I was like, you know, obviously trying to run away from something that was really deep seated. And so do you because I know like you have an affinity for smart drugs. Yeah. And and I feel like, you know, you talk about like cocaine, all that kind of stuff had no, you know, you always stayed away from that. And yet yeah. this, like, why do you think you sort of uh, gravitated to this kind of drug? It was, pra- it was pragmatic, man. It was, uh, I know you said, cause ketamine, the hangover wasn't as yeah, bad the as buzz, the stuff. hangover ratio wasn't as bad. Right. And, uh, the buzz, the hangover ratio wasn't, I, I was, I, and then it turns out like they're using it to treat depression. And I was, I kind of like stumbled upon that accidentally, you know what I mean? It, it would give me a new way of looking at things. I would, the disassociative effect would actually kind of knock you off your square. You could break down your problems in a different way. You're not sometimes that you know you can't see the forest through the trees. I say like so. It kind of took me out and it helped me like break down problems. And that's why I would do that. And and it sucked because like all the drugs that I liked. And and then I was naturally curious too. There's this curiosity. All right, so let me expand my mind. Let me try to do this. Let me let me let me try this hallucinogen and see where it takes me. Uh, Did you ever do DMT? Yeah, and I didn't. I didn't have the. Um, I the, didn't. I didn't. I didn't do enough where I crossed over. It was like antelopes and shit started running across the ceiling and it rang my bell. And the the fucking my little my epiphany of that moment was like I remember like all of that was happening I was thinking about my ex and I was like you can do all the drugs in the world and it's not gonna make it's not gonna heal this for you like that was my epiphany and what do you attribute to because I feel like you've I mean how old are you 40 so you're 40 and I feel like you've been You've been going fairly hard for twenty years. For fifteen, yeah, I was I was so like I was pretty sober until I got the job at Sirius because I took I didn't want to be a loser. I did, I I I knew how they looked at me at my old high school, and they looked at since it was all the rich kids, they we were like the white trash loser. I was a, I was called the wiggers and shit. So like I knew how they looked at me. So I I had this I had this fucking point to prove. So I was really on my I was on my p's and q's. I didn't do shit. And then once I got the job at Sirius, I'm like let's go nuts. Right. So it was it's been fit, fit 14 15 years of just going fucking dumb hard. Um, and is it losing its allure? I don't. know. Sometimes you get bored with it. Other times you hurt yourself. Uh, you ever get scared? Like, not fearful, but like, there's there's been times where I've injured myself where I'm just like, you always picture yourself like, th- there's there's something in me where uh, 
this is going to sound dark, but like there's something in me where like if I die, fuck it. You know what I mean? Like it's one of those deals, deals where like if I die, fuck it. But God forbid I'm uncomfortable. You know what I mean? Like, right. like, like, and I found the drugs have made me uncomfortable and I don't like that. Like I don't, that's the shit that I'm fucking, that I'm not crazy about. And, and I've had to temper my use. I've had to stop certain things there's just stuff i won't do anymore because i ruined like i ruined my insides and i never thought it would go that route i just thought it would like be something cool like some one of them fucking you know when someone ods and then they're on a (laughs) t-shirt and do you feel like i i mean because like when i i remember towards the end of my run and granted i was young but i remember that the my mind had turned on me slightly. So yeah. I feel like my body could have, you know, I was fairly young in good health. Like, I'm pretty sure my body could have withstood for, for another, you know, decade or so. Who knows, right? You never know. But I remember that I would do whatever, you know, substance was in front of me. And immediately, like, I didn't even have that five or ten minute reprieve and that, you know, cigarette where I was like, ah, this is what I'm, I've been chasing. Right. It was immediate. It was like, I'm dead. Fuck it. Fuck. This is the one. Like my mind no shit. turned on me and it just was like, that's it. You did it. It's done. Like, and like, I'm seeing visions of my mom at my funeral right? and like all these things. I was like, nope, nope. Was that torturous for you? Yeah. I mean, as far back as I can remember, and it's funny you talk about, you know, God forbid I should be uncomfortable. I've been perpetually uncomfortable my entire life. Yeah. And so what drugs and alcohol afforded me was like this reprieve from self. Right. And I remember hearing someone once say, like, I wasn't trying to kill myself. I was just trying to kill the part of me that wouldn't let me live. Mm. Like that shitty committee in my head that was always like, you're not enough. You're fucking whack. Like, and, and, you know, especially when you're powerless as a kid from your situation and your surroundings, because your parent is the one that has to provide. Right. I hated being powerless. And I hated the idea that, like, I don't know when this discomfort is going to end. Yeah. So I think that was, I'm sure that's why I was attracted to, you know, drugs and alcohol for sure. I know it's funny. It's like sometimes you uh, choose to lose control as control. You know what I mean? Just to gain some control. Like I'm going to do this. Like it's like bulimia and shit like that. Or cutting or whatever. Like it's, it all comes down to it. And you was a, you, you, we were both fat kids, man. You was, I was fat too, bro. Were you as fat as me? I was good and fat. I was like, I had titties, you know. (laughs) Word, same here. I was like, I was the fucking, I was swimming with a t-shirt on. (laughs) I'll put it that way. Oh, you haven't lived until you swam with a t-shirt on. I get sunburned easily. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, right. right. Fat guy. All right. Fat kid with the fucking t-shirt on with the sunburn. All right. Fuck, I have a picture of me at 14 years old on Santa Monica Beach with a Siegfried and Roy tank top. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, more balls than me. You exposed your arms. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was like, you know, I'm sure no one will will understand. This is just a dope-ass muscle tee from the Mirage in Las Vegas. Yeah, yeah. I'll get props on this one. Tigers, right? (laughs) I I mean, and did you, because I remember growing up and then there were certain guys that were naturally bigger that played on the football team or what have you. And they had no isms or airs about them that they cared about their size. It didn't stop them from getting girls or like feeling confident. 
but as far back as I can remember, and I think it's like my mom's bigger and so, and like my uncle was really into like being fit and I feel always felt like he sort of looked down on my mom and I for it. Yeah. So it was like, it was a, a source of shame. Oh yeah. And I was, I'm, I'm born in the seventies. So like, uh, Bullying was fair game, and right, yeah, I was fat jokes on me all the fucking time. Like it was, I was, I was eating shit all the fucking time, and I'd be like, I'd try to come back with. That was my mom was a hippie, and I had I would. She, she really did me a disservice because I'd be sitting there trying to reason with them. When you say these things, it makes me blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then, like, finally, once I got a little older, I was like, just hurt them back and they won't hurt you. Like, like literally had to f- figure that shit out the hard way because that free to be you and me shit, that doesn't work. That only works if everybody's doing free to be you and me. Like, if if there's three savages and two free to be you and me's, they're gonna get ate up, dog. Like yeah. you, you have to, you have to, you have to raise your your game. I remember, like there's there were certain families back in Michigan where I just couldn't hang out with them because it was just too like they were just willing to go too far. Like I just couldn't. I like they're just they were too crazy for me. They oh were yeah, just too raw. And I'm like I can't even like that. The, they stepped it up a notch that I can't even touch. So we're not gonna hang out anymore. Like they was just too wild. Get psyched for Stitch Fix. Stitch Fix is an online personal styling service that finds and delivers clothes, shoes, and accessories to fit your body, budget, and lifestyle. Just go to stitchfix.com slash curious and tell them your sizes, what styles you like, and how much you want to spend on each item. Look, recently I got like two beautiful shirts from Stitch Fix. You want to talk about nice. First, the the material? I didn't know that they could bottle a dream and turn it into a textile, make it into a fabric that would just beautifully hug my body. And listen, I don't have an easy body. You know what I mean? It's slightly pear-shaped. Sure, it's still better than your body. So who are you to judge? Anyway, Stitch Fix knew exactly what would be the right shirt for me. Couldn't have been happier. And it wasn't too long. It was like that perfect length. I, 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 was, I was just completely impressed. Anyway, look, you'll be paired with your very own personal stylist who will handpick five items to send right to your door. Then you try them on. You pay only for what you love and return the rest. Shipping, exchanges, returns, they're always free. There's no subscription required. You can sign up to receive scheduled shipments or get your fix whenever you want. So get started now at stitchfix.com slash curious and you'll get an extra 25% off when you keep all five items in your box. That's stitchfix.com slash curious to get started today. Stitchfix.com slash curious. I remember being young <laughs> and I live, we would, we would go back and forth between Florida and New York, my yeah. mom and I, cause we had family, my grandma lived down there. And I remember like up until around like seven or eight, I was living with impunity. Like things didn't hurt that much. I was getting by. Right. And then all of a sudden, because my mom would have to work. So I'd always have to go to after school programs and I had to go to the Jewish community center from three to six every day. And those fucking kids were on a level of shit talking and right. teasing and bullying that I had never quite experienced. And I remember just walking into that lion's den for like my first day and going like, my life will never be the same after this. How did you, how did you deal? 
I, you know, I, I think my, I've always done comedy and it's, it, it was born out of necessity. So yeah. I would try to make fun of people before they could make fun of me. Yeah. I, you know, the, my, the saving grace was that I started acting young. And so whether people knew it and I started getting some respect for that. Cause friends would be like, yo, I saw you on a, like I, I would do some dumb toy commercial yeah. or whatever. And they'd be like, I, you're on TV. Like. And so that would give me a little bit of, of get a little respect from some people, but mostly there was something inside of me that felt as though like, I, I had, I felt like I had this little secret of like, I know I'm fucking good at something. Right. Like I've got this thing and like, maybe not now. And I mean, I, we all have an affinity for this, but I've sort of always perpetually lived my life in, in projection of the future of like, when I lose the weight. Or when I get this level of success, like, wait till you see me then. And who knows? Maybe... You had vision. Yeah. That's Always. That's fucking cool. Yeah. Not everybody has that. So that's like a gift that you got vision. That's yeah. awesome. And going back to the whole, like, I think it's important um, that, that, like, the bullying shit and all that, like, I'm grateful for that because it taught me how to handle my own problems. Like I, I can negotiate or I can, I can, I can get in and out of situations now. Like I, I don't f like, I never told, I never went and said such and such is picking on me because in the real world, you don't, you don't always have somebody to go run and save you. So like I was, I, I'm grateful that I was able to figure that shit out and it, it took some ass whoopings and like, there were some days where I felt like shit, but in the long run, just for me to be able to fucking make it in such a tough industry, like you got to have thick skin and you got to be able to know how to deal with people and you have to know how to stick up for yourself or else it's going to be a hard ride for you or maybe you'll find somebody that's going to take 15% of your shit and then they'll do it for you. But oh yeah, you see people that get, just get shattered. Well, I and you know, I got a kid on the way and so... Congrats. Thank you. And and I think a lot about this, you know, uh, I see, you know, I have a lot of, I'm 31. And so, you know, it's very in fashion for my friends to be like birthing children. And they're so worried that the smallest infraction is, it's literal first world problems. Like if God forbid the child is uncomfortable for longer than like 11 minutes, it will leave irreparable damage. Right. And I'm like, yo, like Seinfeld has this great joke about like we're, Seinfeld's generation was the first generation with childhoods, like this whole idea of having a childhood. Because before that, in the 1800s, kids were the help. Yeah. <laughs> you were they working. Had, yeah, they hand you a fucking a little shovel. Yeah, get to work. Go, go milk a fucking cow. Right. Yeah. And then we like put so much value on this thing. And, and to a certain extent, it's right. And yet it's like... God, like, yeah, I don't want my kid getting viciously bullied and scared to go to school. But inevitably, if if they're not getting some shit from someone, they're like these delicate flowers that will wilt at like at a strong wind. Yeah. It's like, yeah, kitchen bully and but like also learn karate. You're like, it's, it's, <laughs> right. it's both. It's like it's both like you don't want your happiness to be left up to whether or not someone else is going to be nice to you. Right. And yet, like, I look at you and I see and, and, and you talk about, like, the last 15 years of hard charging and yet you've been able to sustain so much success and, you know, have this, not only have this career on the radio and at Sirius, but write these books and, and 
what what do you attribute that to? Like, do you have a a work ethic that it just is unflappable? Just fear of being poor. Yeah, it's just uh, straight up, just like just fear of being poor. And then even writing the books was like I knew how people looked at me. I knew how I was viewed from the outside, and like I've taken meetings before, and like I just I just knew how. I was always the guy that was picked by the people and never by the bosses. You know what I mean? Like, I got the job because M had watched watched me on Jenny Jones, and I, I I did Jenny Jones. I was I was popular on Jenny Jones because people would call in. It was never like you know, the boss was never like some guy in a suit was never like I see something in that kid. The no gatekeeper. One, yeah, they, the gatekeepers never saw anything in me, and and if anything, like they they. I felt like they looked down on me. So I wrote the book to as a key to open doors to get opportunities. I knew, I, I was like, who gets respect? Authors get respect. Like, you write a book, you get respect. So let me get some respect on my name. Like, oh, I just wanted really? some. I, yeah, I just wanted some respect. Like, and then it turned into this thing where it was like, it, it, it got beyond me. I, I noticed that, like, when I went to go sell the book, like n- no one bought books that listened to my fucking show. I'm like, so now I'm like, we got to get these, we got to get people reading. They're like, come on, y'all, like read a book. When's the last, like, when's the last time you read a book? So now I'm getting the books to, to cats that hadn't read a book at all. And, and then I want, I, I'm trying to encourage people to write. Like, I'm, yo, dude, you got a story. You got a voice. You you write your shit down, even if it's just to process your feelings. You know what I mean? Like, there's there's a whole there's a whole group of people like that just aren't doing that. You know, like I got a bunch of blue collar cats that listen to me, and they just don't read. Like, real talk, they don't read. And I post pictures, and then they would post pictures of like the shit that they're into with the book, and it's a lot of times it's like guns and drugs and. People would look down on on that uh, when I when I go to be on a podcast. They look at look at my Instagram and it'd be like my book with guns and drugs, and they're like, "We don't want to deal with him." And and I'm like, "Nah, I'm getting books to cats that are into this shit. Like, right. like I'm getting cats that are into guns and coke to fucking read. I, I don't think that's bad. I think that's kind of cool." And I felt like they were being elitists, you know. I was like, "Yo, I'm I'm trying to bring shit to the people. What are you doing? You guys are just jerking each other off, virtue signaling and shit." Like, and you also have to think. I mean, your books, especially considering they're they're sort of short essays and what have you. Like, if you know, fucking, you're not gonna get a dude who's who's you know got guns and drinking and doing drugs to read Moby Dick. Like, that is not going to happen. But if you're vouching for this thing, like, you love me. I vouch for this. This is more of who I am just in a written form. Like, enjoy. And most of these stories are like four to eight pages. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I got really lucky that because I, I don't know how to I don't know how to write any other way. So my it was just good timing. Like I'm able to write a beginning, a middle and an end within 500 to 1000 words and it gives somebody a little shot like boom boom and then they'll read some more and then they'll read some more and they they keep getting rewarded these little rewards and it makes them read more and more as opposed to like novels you don't always get that you get like oh, yeah shit, it's a bro. trudge you ever like yeah you read lord of the rings bro like he's Jesus. just two two pages on what the trees look like you're like all right i get it it's leafy it's yeah fucking- <laughs> 
Well bark. done. Thank yeah. you, J.R. Tolkien. And, you know, and he comes from a different time. So, like, I just got lucky that my writing reflects this time of, like, this ADD shit where no right. one, we're, we're, we're constantly on our phone. We're, we're looking, we can't, we can't keep our eyes on one thing for too long. And would you, it, it, given your, your druthers, would you just write? Or is that, like, what, no. what for you, what to you looks like success in your life getting for the money next... and leaving here really yeah. going back to michigan i don't know man i'm like yeah i just want to get some like i want like some fuck you money even if they're like we, we want to get your book and we're gonna have shia labeouf play you and that would be fucking I, that's fucking perfect casting and uh you know and whoever right fine just give me a bunch of money like i'll sell the fuck out i'll like i've already worked hard on this shit if they if it gets people to go look at the book and see the real of real of it that's fucking awesome but like i just want to fucking i just like i want a lawn i like trees really I'm, yo i'm a midwest dude i really thought i was gonna come out here blow the fuck up and get the fuck home I'm 40, and I'm in a one-bedroom apartment, and that's successful out here in Los Angeles. You right. know what I mean? Like, I'm stepping over needles and bum shit. Like, so there's you, more to life than this. Suburb in Michigan. Yeah, I like nice parking. I like, I like parking, and I like, uh, I like uh, lawns and trees. Comfort. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Like, I don't... That's why I like yeah. the valley. Yeah, and it's like, you know, and then the, the people from the suburbs shit on it, and they move to the city, and then they turn it into the fucking suburbs anyway. So, like, not, that cheese store wasn't there before you guys moved here, champ. You know what <laughs> I mean? Like, oh, yeah. yeah it's. I, I did a movie in Troy, Michigan, and so I was there for four months. <laughs> Tell me. <laughs> I fucking hate Troy. Why? Come on, Somerset Mall? Big Beaver Somerset, Road? Somerset is the, like, you know, like, we would go there and walk around in circles and look at all the rich shit, but Troy is like the epitome of everybody I dislike. Like, Why? Troy reminds me of Santa Monica. Like, that's the best way I could put it. it just like, affluent you know, white people? It's just bland. That's the best way I could put it. It's just vanilla as fuck, son. Right. They're not even Catholic. <laughs> where, where did you grow up? Did you grow up far from Troy or no? So I, I was like Pontiac, Auburn Hills, and uh, Rochester, like in those three, like little, like that was like my constant circle right there. John R. Road? John R.'s East Side. I actually got robbed on John R. I was pumping gas. with My, my homegirl had got me a sweater for uh my birthday and she was like wear wear this sweater to, I'm, I'm working at a bar so like i'm i'm like dressed preppy with some cargos on and a sweater and just and i'm on eight mile and john r and fucking up comes a 15 year or like a shit 12 year old with a 22 and he's like and then i hear voices behind me Run your pockets, bitch. Run your pockets. Motherfucker, get on the fucking ground, bitch. And they call me all out my name and fucking got, there's a gun on me. And I'm like, I'm doing the fucking math once again. I'm like, I don't got health insurance. Fuck. So, so can't like, get shot. Yeah. And you want some gum too. <laughs> he, they literally, I literally did the chaturanga because I didn't want to fuck up my, like, so I got on the ground. <laughs> I'm chaturanga because I got the cream sweater on that, that Ange got me. Shout out to you, Ange, and that sweater. We're still cool to this day. And I'm like fucking 
chaturanga. They're running my pockets. I got $12. They're going to be for $12 and some black and miles. They leave me the gum. And uh, they, they're like, take the car, take the car. And I'm like, bro, it's a fucking Hyundai, man. Like, for real? Right. And they didn't take the car. And... And I had warrants, so I just got in the car after I was robbed and went away. Like that was yeah. Go did you go to the date? Yeah, I went yeah, and then this was how grimy it was. Like I like, I was such a fuck oh man, it was just scummy. Uh, like I go holler at my homegirl that bought me the thing. Then I ran into this other chick that I knew. She had me off in the car. Then I jetted back down to Detroit and end up meeting like my future ex of five years that night. I mean, so it was a it was an eventful night, kind know? of a wash. And the chick that blew me had TMJ, so it was just like a lot of cracking. It was yeah, it was just like yeah, it was a lot of clicking. Yeah, I I have TMJ, and I wonder like well, don't yeah. blow dudes. Yeah, it's gonna click. If I blew dudes, it would probably not be the most romantic environment. <laughs> You're gonna have to give them some Bose uh, sound canceling headphones. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Here, just throw these on. <laughs> Here's the weekend. Listen to this. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. Enjoy, Dean. I imagine his name is Dean. <laughs> I hope it is. <laughs> what? But I, you know, I feel like, and I've, I've listened to, to you on so many pods, and there's like a, um, you know, there's always specific stories out of the books that people want to hear and you talk about. Is there any story of yours that's one of your favorites that gets talked about the least? Like you always want to bring up, but, you know, people don't ask. Um, it's one, there's, there's certain stories that are, that are, are so dear to me that I really want the person to read the book. You know mm. what I mean? Like, so right. my favorite stories I don't talk about cause they're in the book and I want you to read it and I want you, I, and I need you to read it in that order cause it's going to hit, that's when it'll hit the hardest. Like you read, like my last, like the story about my grandmother means the world to me. But I would never read that out loud. Uh, I felt like that book ends it. Um, I, I I often think about. Uh, I, I like the story about, and we're talking. We were talking about bullying. So this kind of this, my this kind of fits as a survival strategy. There was like one chick that was like worse off than I was in junior high school. Like she just fucking got dealt the worst hand. Ever. Crystal. Um, no, I tell the I tell that story. I read. I open. I open my. I open the readings with the crystal story, okay. which is uh, it's a. Sorry to interrupt. It's a you, banger, y'all. <laughs> um, no, this one was about Gertie, and it was it was like this. Like she had a, her mom was like mentally ill. She she had some issues. She was like the dirt kid, ginger. She was like a ginger dirt kid that didn't know how to deal with stuff. Tough. Yeah, and like I was weak, and I didn't want to and, and I would be picked on so I, like the the way for me to not be picked on is to find somebody that's weaker and turn put the attention on them and pick on them and I did that to her and uh and once I like I was a late bloomer dog like I like I had like a, my dick was like a toddler like I had a toddler dick till like I was 15 it fucking sucked bro like can you imagine like yeah it sounds awful you're in gym class and every day you're in the you're in the corner with your, your back turned you're like Winnie the Pooh in that shit with your t-shirt on like strategically getting undressed so like I had all these insecurities so I finally went like my balls dropped and I like got a job and I started making money for myself. I started feeling a little bit better about myself. I was like, I realized what a fucking dick I was to this Gertie 
this Gertie girl. And then I, I went out of my, I apologized. I go check on her. I go see her in class. Like, I, like I, I considered her a friend. We didn't like, wasn't like we was going to hang out, but like whenever I see her, I just made sure she was good. Like on a daily basis in, into high school and uh, like, like during high school and then in my brain, like I was like, she was a good artist. And like in my brain, I was, I was like, I hope that she, uh, she's doing well for herself. And I went to the 20 year reunion because it was like, I wasn't rich enough not to go, but I was doing pretty good to go. It was sure. like, I kind of wanted to be like, see bitches, I'm not a loser, but I wasn't like so rich where I was like, fuck it. I'm on a yacht. I don't need to prove anything. I'm on a yacht. You know? <laughs> so like, I went to the reunion. She wasn't there, and then uh, I was I was out washing windows with my cousin. That's what that's what I used to do. I used to have a window washing route, uh, clean windows downtown Rochester. And sure enough, man, there was some like chick with a ill fitting t shirt and belly bellies falling out and fucked up jeans, crazy hair, and uh, and smoking a cigarette, drinking a giant pop. Just big ass, big ass, fucking sixty four ounce pop, and then, like I look and I turn around, I see her in the reflection, and I'm like Gertie, and she's like Jude, and then she's like, "Why are you here?" Like I'm a loser, <laughs> and I'm looking, at, and I'm like, "Bitch, you missing a tooth?" <laughs> Which like, front? Yeah, front, yeah, front, front six. Yeah, that yeah. hurts. It's hard to hide. And uh, she and I just, it was like, for my own selfish reasons, I, I was hoping that she'd be doing better than she was but if you really looked at it realistically this is probably exactly where she was going to be and it was just like this heartbreaking story and uh and I wanted to apologize again and in in doing so and I'd already did apologize so like my apology was this would have been the selfish it was like it was the selfish for need. you it was not for her it was for me and I already did it once Right. So it was, it, was, it, was, it was like me masturbating. So I fucking, uh, I'm like, once I, and I'm, and I'm having this inner dialogue, like, fuck it, just apologize while I'm squeegeeing the window off. And uh, I turn around to, to apologize and she was gone. And that was that. Do you find that you have any, for lack of a better word, survivor's guilt? Like that you got out? No. No. If anything, I have the opposite where I, I have little empathy. Like I got... Like, you you see a lot of cats that, like, had to go get it. They have little empathy for motherfuckers that are making stupid life decisions. She she was different. Like, she, you know, she had, like, every, she had all these disadvantages. But other people don't, you know, like, sometimes, hey, man, like, yo, quit nutting in fucking chicks. Or quit, <laughs> right. Quit letting losers come in you. And yeah. if you do fucking like they got Planned Parenthood, like, you know, the, the, there's all these ways to not fucking to, to not to, to help break the cycle. Right. So, like, do you think that people are are aware in that position or that to what we talked about before, there's just a level of broken programming where they can't. Yes. And no, I self can't fix self. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Like if you look hard enough, there's a blueprint out there. You know what I mean? Right. You can copy off of somebody, um, but I don't know. I think it's I think it's based on the individual. So like I don't, 
I th- I find it com- I find it really patronizing to say that someone can't get out of their own way. It seems it sounds it sounds like you think that you're better than them. And I look at all of us as we're like we're. I look at us as as I treat people equally. Right. So if you if you had had never gotten Jenny Jones. Do you ever contemplate like what that would have looked like? Do you think you would have gotten out of Michigan? I mean, I know. No, no, I wouldn't have, man. I got, I had it like I kept uh, in my brain. This was my, this was my thing. I was going to like, I figured I would teach at school. I would teach at a school because there was a lack of male teachers. So I was like, okay, so that, that will give me an advantage. And then I was like, I'll teach kindergarten. So that way I won't have to really know shit. And then I was like, I, I just give them juice and fuck single moms. Like that was the eighteen year old Jude's plan. Like that's a nice life. Juice and smashing single moms. I don't think like now that I'm forty, like it's a bad idea. But like as an eighteen sure. year old, like can you imagine like the fucking agita? Like there's like four different single moms that you're smashing, like showing up to pick up their kids at the same time. Oh, it'd be fucking a, a nightmare. Yeah, it'd be uh, a lot to manage. But I was like, you know, just give them some graham crackers, smash the moms. Like th- that was like that was my that was my life plan right there. Nap time. Yeah, nap time. They're half days. You yeah. know, you only got to deal with you only got to see them for three hours. And they're not most. I don't know too many shithead five year old. Like mostly, like they haven't completely made a turn for the worst at that point. I mean, some are assholes. But you know, yeah, like whatever. Three hours, like, yeah. I guess too. I, too bad. A, I'll drink on the job. I don't know. Like, throw a video in every yeah. other week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll be the worst one. Oh, is hey, movie time again? Brave little toaster. <laughs> Let's watch this shit. You know, love it. There's nothing like brave little toaster while you're on two CB and yes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that was my plan, and then the Jenny Jones thing has happened, and it just kind of took off, and I just tried to I, they they kept bringing me back and I just tried to at first I was happy just going on the show and being able to get into clubs in Detroit but they didn't pay me very much I didn't get paid at all and I was like this is pre-internet so it wasn't like you could it's not like you could monetize some a little bit of fame on your own like right like you were making 300 a show, right, on Jenny Jones? Yeah, and that was like, I had to negotiate that. You know what I mean? Like That's so fucked. The cash. And, and that, they flexed on you when you asked for more, right? Yeah, and yeah, and then I would, the way I actually made more money was I would crash on, uh, I made friends out there with like some kids that went to Purdue who are out fucking just crushing it now. And um, I would sleep on their couch and take out the trash and shit like that and fucking. So I go do Jenny Jones and make fun of people and sign autographs and clown. And then I'll go back to Michigan and work a shitty job. I, I, wore, I, I was uh, wiped down poles at a titty bar at like a super hood ass titty bar, all stars on eight mile. Still there? No, nah, I kept getting, man, they, they kept, that shit would get shot up all the fucking time. So like I, they kept closing it. And uh, I finally, there was no shootings when I was working. Um, uh, I quit because I was wiping down the poles and I was playing. They, I was on the TV while I was wiping down the poles because Jenny Jones would come on at like 1230. That's so amazing. So like I'm wiping the poles, watching me on television. And the owner was just this Chaldean dude, Woody. Like this old just fucking not take shit ass Arab cat. I'm like, yo, Woody, man, can you turn it? He's like, fuck you. I leave. Don't tell me what the fuck to do, motherfucker. I'm like, Woody, man, come on, bro. Like you're killing me, man. Like I'm fucking... 
I'm I'm wiping the pussy off of poles for a dollar, maybe. Right. Like, just give me a little bit. Like, yeah, save he, me here, yeah. Woody. I'm fucking begging yeah. you. Yeah, and he wouldn't do it, so I walked out. I'm like, fuck you, bro. I'm gone. Yeah, where's I, Woody now? Probably caked up somewhere. <laughs> yeah, Woody's doing quite well. <laughs> Actually, Woody's yeah, he's yeah. doing great with a young wife and Woody. a lot of money. Probably. So. Yeah, Woody invented Velcro. Yeah. Weird. <laughs> Post-it notes. That was Woody. Did you get tipped out by the girls? Did the pole guy get tipped out by the? Yeah, but they were awful tippers. I could For some see reason that. hood bitches don't tip that well. <laughs> I don't know. It's fucking. It sucked. Yeah, it didn't tip that well. And then I that that that's when I end up going over to the my ex at the time. Uh, that I who I met the night I got uh, robbed was uh, she was a, she was going to school for dance and she was a go go dancer upstairs at a or at at this new gay bar and they needed a bathroom attendant and it was twelve an hour plus tips and I didn't have to I didn't have to do the deep cleaning I just had to do like pick up all the glasses and shit like that. Do you have a station cigarettes some Tic Tacs? Yeah. Do you sell it? I mean, that's a good yeah. markup in the bathroom. So Bro. the first, well, I didn't know what I was doing the first night and the gay dudes dogged the shit out of me. All I had was like some big red and like some cheap soap. And they're like, what the fuck is this? Like they got <laughs> real queenie on me and they just fucking shit on me. And I was like, fuck, dude, like I really got to step my game up. So I went and got like Eclipse gum, like I got the good gum. High end. Different, like different cigarettes, condoms. So you must have been making good money then. Yeah, I was crushing. And then I was, it was like, it was like, one guy per stall unless you tip me and then like you know throw me 10 or 20 and then you got do whatever the fuck you want in there it was, it, was just, it was usually just coke i don't think they were blowing each other or nothing like that and then uh fuck did they it. ever try to pull you in there they would like they would hit on me and i'd be like i got a special someone i never would <laughs> nice. be like i'm straight because then the money just would go away so i'd be like i got a special someone mm. and i remember i remember seeing one of like the regulars out while i was with my girl in like having dinner somewhere and he was just so crushed he was like i thought you were gay i'm like nah <laughs> but i enjoy I'm your just open-minded scum. yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm just what i'm just open-minded yeah and that was like it was really it's it's humbling man you fucking you go from getting cheered to on tv and signing autographs and then you fly home and you're in a little hole of a bathroom with your gum and your your cigarettes, selling them a buck a piece. You were like the unintentional Andy Kaufman, like when he was busing yeah. at Jerry's Deli while also being on Taxi. Yeah, straight up. Yeah, that was me. Now, like having accrued so many sexual exploits, and this might be a stupid question, so forgive me. Does sex ever get old? Yeah. Yeah. I think everything gets old if. Uh, you know how I like <laughs> this sounds awful. Um, you know how I know like when I'm just sleeping with I I go through these phases where I'm just like going nuts. You know how I know is when I want to start butt fucking chicks because I don't even like that. But it's just something different. I'm like, well, fuck it. Like I'm like, Jesus Christ, slow down. Now you're just trying to side them. Like you just right just to fucking mix it up. You know what I mean? Like um, I think some dudes for them it's a power thing too. Like a weird like subconscious thing where they want to feel like this power trip over a woman. I wrote about that because I was, I was like the fat kid that was rejected and I was angry at women. Um, young, when I was young in my life and I had that little, I had a, a one year phase of that where like, I was just trying to fucking hit every hole and it's this dominant shit. But like, 
I, I got over that. This this would just be like, I don't know what else to do with you. We're not in sure. love. Shake it up. Like, let me see your armpit. Yeah, straight up. <laughs> yeah. You're like, fucking, you want to try the leash? Like, I don't know. Like, fucking, we'll hit each other. Like, I don't Just, that's when I know, like, that's when I know that I'm just like ODing on sex. Right. Uh, and w then I'll stop for, you know, I'll just stop for a little bit. It kind of sucks because so much of my self-esteem derived probably still does derives from like whether or not um uh women like me of course and it's like and here's and you're getting like this dopamine hit of being having sex and then like if they enjoy it you feel good about yourself but at the ultimately like it can be empty and quite heartbreaking you know like well I, I i find for me too having come from a similar place like when you see these sort of guys that have been exposed as of late like the weinsteins and the cosbys and like this you know uh, besides the fact that they're just fucking criminals and just unacceptable deplorable human beings what i also d couldn't understand is like for me so much of the self-esteem comes from the courting yeah. and the the schmoozing and getting a girl to like you and then eventually like taking them out on a date or what have you. And then, you know, it's slowly like you're attaining a level at each turn till finally it ends in this thing. And yeah. that for me, that chase is the allure, that dopamine hit of like, you know, she seems interested and, and the perfectly worded text or right. whatever, you know? And, and to think that there's some, you know, like guys like that who like just... There, for me to just get the physical side of it would would have no allure. It's like dudes who grab asses at the club. Like I don't even understand that. Like I want I want to grab a girl's ass because it feels good for both of us. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like right. it seems very one side. Like what is like what's an ass? Like yeah. Like I felt an ass before. Like why would you just be in the club grabbing asses? Like who the fuck does that? But people do. Like right. Uh, People do. I don't. I don't know. That's that. That was never my deal. Like I was always the pleaser. Uh, so, I, I. That was. That's where I came from. So like, I'm just not built like that. But some motherfuckers are. Uh, I, I can't call it. Do you see a great love in your future? Like ever settling down with one person? Ultimately, I'd like to, and I think that's one of the reasons why I want to go back to Michigan. Just because I'm a Midwest cat, man. Like, I'm Midwest. Um, yeah, I, I don't know how else to put it. Like, I'm just a Midwest dude. And out here, people come out here for different reasons. Um, no one moves to L.A. to be like, I'm going to find a fucking really nice guy. Like, <laughs> right. Like, they, they got their own, they, they want to do their own thing. You know what I mean? And, and I don't begrudge them that. But I, I don't know. Like, yeah, I'd like to settle down. And I'm working on myself. But I'm also quite aware that of my behavior and some of that is I, it's like the, the oh, I want to be skinny but I'm eating McDonald's every fucking day like yeah I want to settle down but I'm doing all this shit that keeps me from getting a girlfriend sure. and I'm slowly I'm slowly eliminating those things We're, which would make me more uh, boyfriend material I think you're boyfriend material Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I mean, this is our first our first meeting. So I don't want to keep you here all day. So I, I would say like my last question is is that, 
you know, you talk about like how so much of your success or staying power had to do with fear of being broke. And, and yet I feel like there's got to be like as aware of you are of life and the human condition and sort of like the falseness of the things we chase and what have you. What is what is that thing that gets you excited about waking up in the morning or makes you want to keep doing it? I think we were put here to create, man, you know? Like I think we I think we were put here to create and I I was on I, I was tripping on mushrooms and I was thinking about my family and how they're all artists on both sides. And how that runs in my family, it's in my blood to be an artist. So that's what keeps me doing it. Like I'm a fucking like I look at my mom. She she sends me these letters and they're like these beautiful. She draws pictures. Like she's not like oh I'm gonna draw a picture because I'm an artist. She is art. She lives art that she creates. And I was blessed with some of that in me. So like that's what. That's how I get up and go to work, man. Like, it's a job. It's a grind. But, like, I'm blessed enough to be getting paid to create something, to be a, be creative. And um, I don't know how I'm, I'd be a shit carpenter. So, like. Same here. So, it's just like, yo, this is what I'm, this, I guess this is what I'm supposed to do. Like, I feel like it's my job to tell the truth and be authentic and say my part and sometimes it kills me and I don't get jobs because of that but the people that fuck with me extra fuck with me because they know I keep it 100 and I'm trying my best do you think you're becoming more yourself at every like for me I'm finding that the things that resonate with an audience are when I'm not trying to be anyone but myself and at 31 like I'm just contending with that idea because I feel like I spent my teens and my 20s trying to be what I thought people liked or what I thought success looked like. And it, there is sort of this weird reconciliation of realizing or becoming okay with the idea of like, what I have to offer my specific experience in life is attractive to certain people. Yeah, and There's something there that's worth sharing that can, I've got something to say that's worth it. Like, do you have that becoming more yourself every day, more comfortable with sharing exactly who it is you are? Yeah, I'd say that. I was really, um, before I dropped my last book, I was petrified. I was really afraid. Um, I didn't know how I was going to be taken. I didn't, I, I was really honest about my flaws and things that I was ashamed of. And it wasn't as funny. And I'm like the joke guy, you know what I mean? And it right. was like, and I think after I wrote that book, it allowed me to put my guard down a little bit more. Because uh, it was received well. Yeah, but I was I didn't know how I was going to be received. And that, that was probably the most scared I've been in a long, long time. Yeah. When, when you put out something and you're like, God, I hope they, I hope they fucking get it. They don't even got to like it, but I hope they get it. And you know what? Once you put it out, it's not yours no more. And people are going to take, take what they want from it, you know? They're going to read it on their level. Right. And that's that. Jude, thank you. I appreciate you Yo, having me, man. Thank this has so been much. awesome. Thank you. That was it. How great was that? Rude Jude. Oh, my God. That's amazing.
It was so. I'm sorry that I started. I feel like by the end of the interview, I started trying to talk like him. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a you know a, a white guy who loves hip hop from a, a rather you know um, city, like you know a, a pretty uh, urban area. So maybe I feel qualified, but it doesn't resonate the way he, he does. You know what I mean? He's got that. You know, he's got that nice timber to his voice that I probably will never have. Um, but anyway, Jude, thank you, man. And thank you guys for listening. Because, again, this doesn't work if you don't listen. So anyway, have a great week. Enjoy the fucking Super Bowl. I think I'm pushing for the Patriots. And I'm from L.A. And I'm from New York. And who? why would I give a fuck about New England? But I don't know. I'm a big Tom Brady guy. I'm a fan of excellence. Because he gives me hope that if I can, you know, even be 10% as good. I will have accomplished a shitload. But yeah, man. Hope you guys enjoy. You overeat. Get really excited. And you write some fire tweets that you're probably, if you look back on them eventually, you won't be proud of them. But, you know, in the moment, it'll feel good. And that's what we're all about. Feeling good in the moment. Am I right? You hear me? Back there? You know who you are, Dave and Jennifer and susan man i really hope there are like people named dave jennifer and susan like you know a hundred thousand people sometimes listen to these episodes so there's a good chance that there's a dave right now who listened to this episode who was like is he fucking talking to me just driving my prius on my way to go my job at ups and josh peck knows me oh anyway guys love you i'm an idiot i'm sorry thank you have a great week bye